Episode 10 of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast is brought to you by State Farm. You never know what's going to happen during the NBA season or in life. Thankfully, with a State Farm agent on your team, you can be better prepared for the unknowns life throws your way. As we're about to cover in this Dirk Nowitzki pod, he almost ended up a Boston Celtic. Oh, yeah. That almost happened. You never know in the NBA. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you prepare for uncharted territory, State Farm. Meanwhile, the Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home and everywhere you take your phone. With the Assistant, I can send a text without typing on my phone just by saying, hey, Google, text your house. A little help hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com and the Ringer Podcast Network where you can find the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast, the one you're listening to right now. This is chapter five. Dirk Nowitzki, when I wrote my book in 2009 and then the paperback in 2010, I had a very specifically formed opinion on this man. And then over the course of this decade, that opinion changed. And we're going to talk about that and a lot of other stuff with my old ESPN colleague, now the New York Times, Mark Stein. My name is Bill Simmons. This is the Book of Basketball 2.0. On my podcast back in 2011, Charles Barkley mentioned something he called the shit list. You know what that is, Mark Stein? I do not. AKA the best guys who never won a title. Barkley, Malone, Marino, Banks, Gervin, Yaz, Barry Sanders, all names that Barkley learned to dread every time they were grouped together. He called it the shit list. And even if it was woefully unfair, Barkley learned to take the shit list as something of a compliment. After all, every name on it was great, right? That's what he kept telling himself, but a piece of it always hurt. And he hated seeing other players face the end of their careers with that shitless guillotine looming. Well, who avoided the guillotine? Dirk Nowitzki. 2011. A few years before, he wore that 2006 finals collapse and 2007's inconceivable collapse against Golden State, like the pockmarks on Fergie the Florist beaten down face. What movie? No clue. The town. No clue. I wrote shortly after that that Dirk secured his spot on the crap, it's just not in me, All-Stars, along with Malone, Drexler, KJ, Elvin Hayes, Patrick Ewing, Ralph Sampson, all those guys. Now, he's hitting the latter half of his career, and we can safely say Dirk Nowitzki missed the boat as an alpha dog. I actually wrote that. It's a quote from me. Whoops. John Elway had 1997. Ray Bork had 1999. Dirk Nowitzki had 2011 the year he booted himself off the shit list. Now we're closing the decade with Dirk as a level four pyramid guy. Oh yeah, I think he was like 39 when I did my book. He played so goddamn long, it seems like 10 million years ago when he was the seven foot German draft sleeper who could allegedly shoot like Larry Bird. It seemed preposterous. You know what else ended up being preposterous? His career. He's the best ever foreign NBA player not named Hakeem. He's the best Euro ever. He's the fifth best forward ever behind LeBron, Bird, Duncan, and Durant. 
Not quite good enough for Mount Rushmore, but better than Elgin, Doc, Pettit, Barkley, everyone else. He won an MVP. He won a finals MVP. He made four first-team All-NBAs and four second teams. He won 50-plus games for 11 straight years, games that you covered. That's why you're so happy right now. He topped 60 wins three times, made two finals. He beat LeBron and Wade in the finals. He won a game seven in San Antonio during Duncan's prime, along with Pettit, Hakeem, and Elgin. He's one of four players in the shot clock era who averaged 25 and 10 for their playoff career. Do you know that? 25 and yes, 10. he was always great Every in the time. playoffs. And he's a famously fantastic locker room guy, an insane hard worker, and someone who, by all counts, everyone loved playing with at every point of his career. We're going to talk about that career in a second with Mark Stein. He's also a member of one of my favorite lists, the 15-year club. You know what that is? You are hitting me with all kinds I know. of categories I didn't know about. Well, I make all these up. The only six NBA players who spent their entire careers with the same franchise played at least, least 15 seasons and won at least one title. Here's the entire list. Dolph Shays, Hal Greer, John Havlicek, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki. And unless- Because yeah, Miller and Stockton aren't on the list. They didn't right, win. they didn't win a title. Unless Steph Curry gets there, that's the whole list probably for the rest of our lives. Six Hall of Famers, 20 rings combined. Think about what that list means. Excellence, durability, longevity, loyalty, championships, the unwavering affection of an entire city. It's your best case scenario for a basketball career, and it's certainly better than Barkley's shit list. You'll get this reference. Let's just say Dirk crawled out of 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness, the likes of which I can't imagine, and came out clean on the other side. Dirk Nowitzki. We're going to talk about him. Mark Stein is here. Currently works for the New York Times. I worked with him at ESPN. And uh, you covered Dirk for his entire career. 21 years. I don't think it ever happens again. Unless Curry does it, because I, you know, we've talked about this all summer, but the player empowerment era, I just don't think it matters to guys in the same way anymore. And it to mattered do, to him. It lot, really did. A lot. And I think as he got deeper and closer to it, because look, he, he, it's a weird thing. He never had a traditional agent. There were free agencies when GMs would contact me and ask me, we want to go after Dirk. Right. How do we go after him? We don't have an agent. We don't have a number. We don't even know, need to know. We don't even know who to call. So that that happened. But then then there were feelers that did reach him late in his career, and he had he had chances to go elsewhere, and and he just he couldn't bear the thought of it. He loves being a one team guy, but even he would tell you if he was sitting here, if I don't win that championship, do I feel that way? Do I do I stick it out? for another eight, nine years with no championship? And I think the answer is probably no. So that 2011 title, which happens really at the tail end of his prime, it's his last great year in every respect. Yeah. It changes the course of how we remembered him. It vaults him into a, I, I finished my book in 2009. I did the paperback in 2010. Had kind of written off Dirk mentally. It was like I mentioned Where'd you earlier. have him, 39? Yeah, he was in the like the high 30s. And it was just like, oh man, yeah, well, he won that one MVP, but- then he kind of just didn't have it. And then it all flips in that one uh, postseason. And then on top of it, he never had to go chase a title. So he accomplishes double thing. He changes his legacy, wins the title. But then he doesn't have to leave Dallas. Because I think if they don't win that year, he, he would have chased I, it at look, some point. I know your trusty media critic, Brian Curtis, wants to fight me on this one. Who's the bigger cowboy than him? I'm, I'm sticking by it. I'm, I love I'm, it. This is I'm, my favorite I'm, corner. I'm doubling down. Who is the, who is the one... Now, 
there's a re- the Cowboys have been so great and so big for so long. There are 10 Pantheon Cowboys. Who is the one Cowboy you can put ahead of him? I'm saying there isn't one. So your case for this is basically it's him versus Roger Staubach or him versus Emmett Smith and or him versus Troy. We Hickman. both have teenage kids. My teenage kids have lived in Dallas their whole lives. You think they have a, a whiff of who Roger Staubach is? No. Yeah. They don't know. So then Aikman didn't play quite he, long he, enough, I the, feel like. Look, and I'm, look, I am, you know, I am no NFL expert. I'm probably not qualified to start going through the cases of all the different Cowboys, but I'm going to, you, I want to know who is the one Cowboy that they can put over Dirk Nowitzki. And I'm going to say there isn't one. There is not. We grew up when we were kids, Landry and Staubach were massive. And that's when I was still following the NFL. But I'm, I'm sorry, they have not carried it on in the modern era like Nowitzki. So I guess the case would be who's the most beloved and who if like when they're 75 years old is still getting a standing ovation. 21 years, one team. And and look, the Cowboys have always been great. They've been a powerhouse forever. Yeah, the team he is put, the brand. He put the Bavs on the map. Mm. There's nobody, there's no one Cowboy who can match what he did in Dallas. So during that 2011 playoff run, when did you think it was actually possible they could win the title? Because we're talking about they lose in round one in 07, 08, 09. We're going to talk about all these little checkpoints he hits. But at some point, we all kind of give up on this happening. And then in those playoffs, he goes to another level. Oklahoma City, he was so good. It was the best he's ever played. Really? You think the best? I would put it right there with, with San Antonio 06. Okay. He was... I remember I, I, the guy that I talked about this with the most was Stojakovic. Let's not forget at his peak, Peja Stojakovic was a damn good player. Yeah, 25 Very a game. elite and knows what it's like to be in the Nowitzki position. He was a role player at that point, but he was watching Dirk in awe and just saying, I, I cannot believe the stratosphere that Dirk has gone to. In that Oklahoma City series, I mean, that Oklahoma City team was a handful. And he shredded them. Yeah. But even after that, they're going up against Miami. And I don't even think they believed it. Like they just looked, you looked at that Miami roster. And yes, it was year one, but it's like, they've got the Heatles. They've got LeBron. Wade has already driven the dagger into their heart in 06. I don't think they really thought they could beat that team. I picked the Mavs to win that series you didn't on mean paper. It. You didn't feel I, it though? I, I don't know that I believed it. So those three games... So three, four, and five are in Dallas. And game three, yeah, Wade is incredible. And Wade wins game three. Dallas comes back. They win game four, and they break LeBron. This is the worst game of LeBron's life. They've actually, like, break his brain. They're doing all right. kinds and, of shit and, to and him. how was that? Like, how could we even think that that could happen? You know what's interesting? I watched game six recently, and I realized how they did it. It was it was more a case of just how basketball was being played. They didn't realize how to space it for him. So when, when they were just collapsing on him every time he tried to drive the basket, but their offense wasn't sophisticated enough to just have shooters in every spot, and he just couldn't solve it. And then they, they when they started fucking with him and putting like you know JJ years later him, he would have bullied through them and just like you yeah, know he wasn't it, strong enough yet just, though yeah you know he just he yeah he couldn't he couldn't he didn't have the low post game he didn't trust it. And he didn't have the shooters around him. And they had Chandler always there with his hands up. 
And Sean so, Marin, who is, you know, still one of the best. That, that ha- they had a, the Mavs had a great group of role players. And the reality is in Dirk's 21 years, no sidekick ever fit him better than Chandler. Chandler yeah. was the perfect guy. All defense, <laughs> so all Chris athlete, let him go. all unselfish, twice. Yeah. All, all, you know, just, he was the perfect, Tyson at his peak was the perfect match for Dirk. And that, that's, and what's so funny is when they first got Chandler, I don't even think they believe that. I think Dampier, they were still like, oh, we got Dampier and Chandler. It's going to be a two-headed monster. Right. Um, you know, Tyson was way better than they, than they even realized. Where did Dirk go after they won the title? He just, he basically sprinted off the floor. Did he oh, go to cry? Thought, what was I, I, going I, I, on? I thought you meant, I thought you meant no. summer. Yeah, so he, so they had the- It's the, one of the weirdest reactions ever. They win, everybody's hugging. They he had jumps the, over the table and they he's They had off. the luxury of knowing in the last few minutes they were, they were going to win it. He felt the tears coming on. And what happened was when they qualified for the Olympics a few years before, same thing happened. He totally lost it. It was all on camera. He was embarrassed. Oh. This was 08. And they had to do, it was like last chance qualifying for the Olympics. I was not there, but I've just heard the stories. Totally lost his head, balling his head off, hated that everybody saw it. So he felt it coming on again. And he's like, people aren't going to see this. Wow. So he just said, I'm walking off the court, steps over the scores table and just heads down the little hall. If you've been in Miami, you know, just heads down the hallway to the visitor's locker room. And Scott Tomlin from Mavs PR who's one of actually his closest friends, and Tim Frank from the league, they both chased after him and found him basically in the shower crying. And they were like, you got to come out here, dude. Well, Tim Frank was like, you know, got to come out here, league protocol and all this stuff. I think what it really was though, Scott Tomlin, again, one of his his closest friends, told him like, come on, man, you're going to want to be in these pictures for the rest of your life. You're going to want to see the picture of you hoisting this trophy. So he pulled it together and he, he got out there. Well, his resume is incredible. I'm going to use the word incredible a couple of times during this podcast, but it's one of those things you, you know, he was great, but then when you actually put the stuff down on paper, I was kind of like, shit, is it, maybe I have him 17th in the pyramid now. Maybe that's like too low. 21 years, 13 quality, 14 all-stars. Um, Sixth all-time, by the way, for most all-star appearances. 31,560 points. That's the one, I think, that shocks him. But 3,663 playoff points. If you add those together, he's in the 35K point club, which is basically just him and Jordan and probably Kobe. I don't know. It can't be more than three people. Here's a weird one. Regular season, he passed 10,000 defensive rebounds. He's seventh all time, 10,021 defensive Underrated rebounds. part of his story that he, you know, was never a good defender, but he was, a, he was a decent team defender and he became, he was an elite defensive rebounder for a stretch. Yeah, he and, was somebody who could get 17 rebounds in a big game, which I think nobody thinks of him that way. You know, he would average eight or nine, yeah. but in big games, he could get them. He played 1,522 regular season games, third all time. He played 51,368 minutes, third all time. 11th and threes. He almost made it to 2003s, but seventh in free throws made, which is like crazy. Uh, he was 19th all time in free throw percentage, which is basically like all little white guys and like him and Steph Curry. And uh, in win shares, 143.8, four all NBAs, five second teams, three third teams, 
Um, he was top five, four out of five years, 05, 06, 07, 09. 2011 finals MVP, 27 and eight, almost 50, 40, 90. 49%, 46% from three, 94% from the line, nine free throws attempts a game, 25.2 PR. Um, he was also the best player in a finals runner-up in 06. His 07 MVP season, which I shredded, we're going to get to, is actually now underrated. He was 50, 40, 90 for the whole year, 25 and nine. They won six, six games. Started 0 and 4, 167 games. Yeah. Three year peak, 26 and nine, 51, 41, 89. So he almost did 50, 40, 90 for three straight years. 10 straight, 22 and eight seasons. And then the playoffs we mentioned, um, 25 and 10, 46, 37, 89 for splits, 23.8 PR. And let, let's not forget for half of that, he was a choker who couldn't get it done. Yeah. During the 2009 playoffs, there was this moment where Barkley and Kenny and Chris Weber, it was something about he credited the defense yeah. in Denver on a last shot and went to the postgame show. And this was when Barkley was throwing 100 miles an hour and was just must watch every show. And they just killed him. And they were like, he's not a leader. That's not somebody who can ever win a title when you say stuff like that. And just did this deep dive on Dirk and just basically wrote him off. Do you think Dirk even knew about that? You know, I've never talked to him about it. I'm going to guess yes, because the dude watches avidly. He's not like a voracious reader. Yeah. But, I mean. You don't think he read the book of basketball? Uh, he did not read the book of basketball. <laughs> I'm going to guess he's out of 21 years. He maybe read five of my stories on him. Right. He's, he's not, like, he's not, he's not going to read it. But watching the NBA on TV, he, I mean, this is, he was your classic I'm going to play a game and go home and watch NBA TV and, and West Coast games all night. So I think Curry's like that too. I'm, I'm guessing he saw it and he was aware of it. Um, and Chuckster loves him. You know, he and Barkley go way, way back. So I'm sure it hurt on some level. But he was always honest like that. Like he's just an, you know, he was given too much credit to the D. And what's so funny, I always say this and people think I'm crazy. Go back and look at the 09 postseason. That's when his personal life unraveled in a very public and unfun fashion. He played on one of the worst Mavs teams he ever had around, worst supporting cast. Yeah. His numbers in that Denver series, I want, I'm doing it off the top of my head. He shot like 55% from the field, averaged like 36 and 14 on a horrendous Mavs team Again, that Denver front line, that was the year they went to the conference finals. Kmart, Chris Anderson. Yeah, they were yeah. really Manet. physical. They had a, just beasts all on their front line. And that was their only, that was the only mellow team that went to the conference finals. I thought that was a really good he Denver team. played incredible in that series, especially with everything going on in his personal life. And I can't believe that that was the time they decided that just to tear him a new one. But, well, just so people don't know, he... He was dating somebody who turned out to be kind of duping him on some yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, she was arrested, went to you know, yeah. went to jail. I mean, it she was claimed a, she was pregnant. And it she was wasn't. a big. He played through that cloud. Like I said, if you check the stats from the 09 playoffs, he was superlative. It might have been one of his. It was a short playoff run. It was only second round, but he played as well in those playoffs as he ever did. To put a bow on this 2011 thing, I had him on my podcast All Star Weekend. I think 2012. I think it, it was this year after he won. It's a pretty good get. He's not a podcast it was guy. One of, it was one of those 15-minute thingies, you know, where it was like they would just funnel. I had an ESPN thing, mm -hmm. and they would funnel people through. That dude, when you talk about, like, the weight of your weight of the world being off somebody's shoulders, like, you could honestly feel it when you talk to him. He just seemed 
just so happy, could not give a shit about anything, was still living off the fumes of the title. I think he probably celebrated it all summer. I really don't know if anybody ever enjoyed a title more than he did that 2011 because I think he understood the significance of it. He didn't want to end up like the Malone Barkley. He didn't want to end up on that shit list. I mean, you know, Nash, his soulmate, his sidekick. Right. Now, Steve is a remarkably well-rounded person who does not sit around obsessing about what ifs. But like Nash would have been the same way. A title for him just would have been so huge. But for Dirk, even more so, I think, just because, again, Dirk is, you know, Nash has so many other life pursuits yeah. that when Nash sits there and tells you, I don't sit around crying about what we didn't get done in Phoenix, you believe him. He's moved on. He lives his life. He doesn't wallow in the fact that he doesn't have the ring. But you know, Dirk's a basketball guy. He's a 24-7 hoop guy. So in the, the, I just finished my 26th season. In all that time, except, you know, maybe Malone would have been that way, but like, to get a title, I can't imagine it impacting one person in my time being around the game like it did for him. I mean, like you said, he's a top 15 player now or right there. And he, without the title, he's not. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game, which is why we bring you a special segment, Beyond the Three Point, presented by Mountain Dew. Little fact about Dirk Nowitzki. Never took 400 threes in a season. Took 390 twice in 2001 and 2003. Think about him in 2020, how many threes he would have taken. I'm going to guess it would have been about 800, 850, something like that. He missed his calling. That was Beyond the Three Point brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. Meanwhile, Square makes that little white reader that lets anyone take credit cards, but running a growing business takes so much more than payments which is why Square builds so many tools that can help, like point-of-sale software, invoices you can send from your phone. It's easy to build websites and access to business loans to help you manage your cash flow, purchase new equipment, whatever you need to do to grow your business. Their payments are the best. No complicated contracts or weird fees. You always get your money fast, even instantly. The best part, all these tools are in one place and they're all built to work together. So whether you sell stuff on Instagram, whether you own a restaurant, whatever. Square has tools for you. See all the ways Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. Loan subject to credit approval and issued by Celtic Bank. Member FDIC. Five things you need to know about Dirk Nowitzki other than the stuff we already mentioned. Number one, he's the greatest European basketball player ever. And you could argue the distance between him and the next guys are more like a chasm. I Here's my top five. Dirk, Parker, Ginobili, Giannis, and Powell. If we're just making a team, it's a pretty good team, by the way. Parker, point guard, Ginobili, Dirk and Giannis as my forwards, and then Powell as my I low post guy. I got Petrovic in there somewhere. So you want to bump Petrovic for Manu. Make Manu the sixth man? Okay, if, if I'm allowed to have a sixth man, then he's yeah, the perfect we'll sixth six, six man. Six man. Um, this is crucial. And you know, and the, the, the other tough one is we didn't see Sabonis. And everybody no. who saw just Green Peak YouTube Sabonis cuts. says. Here's the thing, though. We're seeing him now. He just plays on Denver as Nikola Jokic. I think, yeah. I think they're offensively, they're very similar. Um, it, the Euro thing is important, though, because when he comes into the league, there's a bias against Euros. No question. Euros are soft. Can't win I mean, with Dallas, they did not want him. The, like, it was not a well-received pick. 
You don't think Dallas wanted him or the fans did The fans. Him? I mean, right, this, right. In, in, like it was not a well-received pick. And the reason was, it, you know, Don Nelson and Donnie Nelson hadn't been there long enough for there to be, you know, huge outrage because they, they'd only been there a couple of years. But, you know, the Mavs had a horrible draft history. They've had an even worse history in terms of the lottery. You, the Mavs always do, they always fall to their lowest possible point in the lottery. And Pierce was on the board and they never thought Pierce was going to be on the board. And Don Nelson himself, when Pierce got to the Mavs, Nelly was like, he turned to his son and said, hey, I think we audible here and go Pierce. And Donnie was like, nope, we locked into this guy. We made a promise. We are taking Nowitzki. And the Celtics would have taken Dirk. The Celtics. The Celtics hit the lottery. The Celtics were the only other team that got an interview with Dirk. Patino famously arranged this clandestine workout in Europe. Nowitzki played the hoop summit here in 98, San Antonio, goes nuts, shuts it down. Everybody knows about him now. He would not grant any other team any access. The Celtics. We should talk about that, Nike. I was going to bring it up later, but it's important. This is still early, early internet. You can't even barely Google anything. You certainly, you don't have, we're eight years away from YouTube. And we hear these rumors about this amazing Nike hoop thing. And you're just taking everyone's word. My dad and I are in Boston. Celtics have the 10th pick. Have a chance to get this guy. He's allegedly a little like Larry Bird. And all we're doing is is living off the rumor of this incredible game. And the game was on ESPN, but that's just that's how but you diff- couldn't you couldn't even like, get it after that's the fact. how different it was twenty years. Like that's what I was imagine if that was now. Oh, that I think some they, German kid yeah. showed up and lit up all the Americans for thirty five. Oh, he would have gone top three because we would have had this game to look at and be like, oh shit, look at this guy. So the first part, the crazy part is he's playing for his German team. They're in the second division. They're in the playoffs to go up to the first division. He had to bail on his team to play in the Nike Hoop Summit. So this is his hometown team. He and his shot guru, Holger Geschwindner, they sneak out of Germany Good in the middle of the night. I've had some practice. <laughs> they sneak out in the middle of the night, come to the States. They're a day late to the Hoop Summit. They show up. They join the team. The Mavs, th- these practices are happening in the in what was then the Mavs practice facility. Yeah. So the Mavs are basically getting illegal viewing of oh, this wow. guy. I don't think Nowitzki's I knew this. He's going nuts in practice. You know, the Mavs, they're, you know, falling, you know, Donnie Nelson's melting down, watching this seven-foot guy move and shoot. Then the game comes. And of course, I'm just going to give you, you tell me, what do you think the Mavs tried to do? The game, the the game's coming. What do, you, what do you think was the Mavs' answer? Oh, probably do like a power outage? No, Dirk, don't play in the game, man. Oh. Don't play in the game. Well, of course, he plays in the game. Game's on TV. It's at the final four. Dirk goes nuts. Scores uh, was 33 and 14, so whatever it was. So now everybody knows about him. Secret's out. Because the Mavs were the Mavs the Mavs were sold from the first practice. Yeah. They saw him. They were in. They were like, we are, whatever we have to do to get this guy, we're in. Um. But then they had to sweat out the next three months. And yeah, it's totally because there was, you know, you had that game and all the, t- all the teams had tape of the game. Because I remember Bird, I, I, I'm pretty sure Bird told Jackie McMullen, there's a quote out there, something like Bird said, if you would have seen this game, you would think this guy's going to be the best player ever. <laughs> right. But that's all teams had. He wouldn't interview with anybody. And that was it. The Celtics were, you know, Patino was able to get this secret meeting in Italy. And that was it. So you said, um, this is an actual quote from Mark Stein. Oh, God. 
Let's hope it was good. He didn't really talk about it at the time, but he definitely said years later that he gave real thought to going back to yeah. Europe after the first year. Because his first year was miserable. It's strike season, 50 games, well, compact. Okay, so, so, so this is where, and this is where my relationship covering him started. The lockout, so the Mavs draft him, lockout hits. They beg him, come to Dallas. He says, okay, I'll come to Dallas. But now it's the lockout. So he st- keeps playing for his German team. They got promoted. Even though he missed one of the promotion games, they got promoted. They're in the first division now. He's happy. He's playing for his hometown team in Germany. They're a first division team. The lockout's going on. I make my annual soccer trip to England in September, and I'm at the Dallas Morning News, and I said, hey, guys, Dallas or uh, Man- Manchester to Frankfurt is just like Dallas to New York. Send me for a weekend to go watch this guy. So I went to Germany, met him, Watched him play two games. And you were like the only media member who had seen him, right? I was. I think I'm the only person besides the Nelsons who had really seen him play at this point because I saw him play two games. One of them was a road game. Drove three hours each way on the Audubon with Holger. That nice. was my, my first Audubon experience. So now you're in with Holger. Go meet his parents. But he's he was rooting for the season to be wiped out. He wasn't ready to come here at 19. He wanted to spend that whole season in in Germany, and then he's told the story. This isn't my story. He's told it. He was watching CNN. He's like, oh, shit. The lockout's over. I got to go. Now I got to go. So, and you remember, no training camp. Yeah. No summer league. And then the worst schedule they've ever had. Three and three nights, you know. So, it's him and Nash. And Nash, they would have these pickup games right before the lockout ended. They were having these pickup games in Dallas. Nash went to the hoop, got slammed, landed on his back. Played that whole season with a fracture in his back. Mm. They didn't realize till after the season. So Nash played that whole first year hurt. Dirk is coming from another planet. They were both just crushed. And the team's getting sold, right? Cuban buys. Uh, the like team right was there. sold. That was 99. The team was sold a year later. Yeah. So yeah, Dirk, that first year, you know, Nelly gave me a great scoop back in the days when scoops were actually in newspapers. <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki will win rookie of the year. Gave that uh, to me. Yeah, that's bad. So that put the bullseye on him. He was taken out of the starting lineup. He he wasn't ready. He just there it's one thing to jump from Italy or or you know, a top league in Europe at the time. Like Petrovic played at the highest 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 levels of Europe and he had trouble when he came over here. Dirk played in nothing higher than the German first division. That was not elite European basketball. And that first year was awful. And he he was homesick. I think Nash pulled him through it. And honestly, Nash was getting even more heat. That probably helped Dirk. If you if you remember, there was a game. Nash got booed at Reunion Arena. He shot like 0 for 8 from the field against the Charles Barkley-led Rockets. And Barkley went off on the oh, Dallas no. fans for booing Nash. So it, that first year, was it was bad. Really, really bad. Second thing you need to know about Dirk, as we said earlier, didn't have a ton of help. Only played with four All-Stars. God, I didn't even count it up. That's less than um, I thought. You mean four, like, current, when they were, they were All-Stars? When they were when, actually on, the yeah. t- on an All-Star that was on his team. Kid, Nash, Finley, Josh Howard. He never played with a Hall of Famer during that player's prime. Nash, technically, yeah, his Nash prime wasn't was in Nash Phoenix. Yet. He wasn't killed in Nash. Kids, kid kid. had already been kid, so on and so on. Um the only player this decade to win the finals without another all-star on his team. Because even like Kawhi, he had Kyle Lowry, I think, was on the all-star team. Um, and Gasol, Dirk, not far from it. 
the Dirk Nash connection, we're going to go into a little bit more later, but um, you were there those first six years. Dirk didn't say a lot. Was kind of a quiet guy, quiet German guy. He's had some weird picadillos, and Nash just adopted him. Nash adopted him for minute one. I mean, honestly, he doesn't make it probably without Steve. I mean, Steve ran his life back then. Right. They lived near each they other. They lived in the same apartment complex. And basically, ev- you know that. Nash is just one of those people who's just like, he's just got this charisma. Yeah. Every city you go to, he's got 10 best friends. That's yeah. just the kind of guy it's he Canadian. is. He made Dirk go to all that. They get to Milwaukee. Nash would be like, okay, we're going to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. Wherever it was, he dragged Dirk everywhere. Otherwise, Dirk's probably sitting in his hotel room that whole first year, being even more miserable. So, like, it's pretty remarkable. Again, if you go back and look at how Nash shot way under 40% from the floor that first year, playing with a Well, they remember back. they had just traded for him, and, and it was a big a, deal. And they and gave him a big contract, contract. And it seemed like a bust. Played hurt. For everything he was going through, that was that's like as classic a Nash story as there is. He spent that whole first year worrying about Nowitzki when he was miles from having solidified his own future. It was right. pretty amazing. Uh, third thing, Dirk's decade-long peak was 0-2 to 11. He averaged 24.5 points, 8.8 rebounds, and came really close to creating the 10-year 50-40-90 club. He was 48-39 and 89 for a decade. Um, I think we should talk about his offensive game just really quick. And you could see it really 06 was when he put it together. He could he could take the Duncan KG guys and bring them out 25 feet from the hoop and then go by them. Um, or he could beat them off the dribble. If you put the Bowen, Raja Bell type guys on him, he could bring them down and either post them up or post them up at the foul line. And the thing he did, especially he started doing 06, if he wasn't shooting well, Putbacks, free throws, and just he would just figure out how to say, get though, to his points. It did take a little longer. Like he was, he he showed glimpses of that stuff in 06 and even 07. But in the playoffs, Haslam bugged him in 06 big time. Right. In 07, that Warrior team with all, you know, your Steven, Steven Jacksons, Jackson. your Al Harringtons, like by the time 11 came around, and this was another thing Peja and I would talk about all the time, by 11, he was a surgeon. That was when he didn't have the youth anymore, <clears throat> but there was nothing you could throw at him that he didn't know how to counter at that point. When he and that know. was the difference. Like if you, if you want like 06, 06 San Antonio series, I have to say that was the best series of his life, even better than Oklahoma City. But in the Miami series, in the finals, to me, when I watch it back, he looks rushed. Yeah. I feel like he's rushing. Haslam was bothering him. Like, I, I feel like he was later, he was a different, he was even better later. I remember, you know, I would go see him. They'd play the Clippers probably twice a year and I would go see him in person. And somewhere 2010, 2011, it was like he kept refining that foul line, that little step back shot where he'd put his knee into the guy's right. balls. And over the course of six years, he just kept perfecting it and tweaking it, tweaking it like a golf swing. And then at 11, it was like, that's not stoppable anymore. If he got, it would almost like you had to stop him before he got the ball. But once he got the ball, it was unstoppable. You'd either send a second guy at him or whatever. But the the angle that he was able to create 
by bending back and then the way he shot the ball, it was unblockable. Yeah, that was his, you know, it's funny because- I think it's one of the Hol five greatest shots ever. Holger begged him for years, let's learn, let's do the hook shot. Oh, that's interesting. The he was like, that's the missing piece. Give me the hook shot. Let's let get the hook shot and then nobody can touch you. And he did mess with it. Now, I was never there. It was always in Germany in the lab. But he just said he never got to the point that he was comfortable doing in games. So the 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 one, you know, Mc, Tim McMahon calls it the one-legged step back, whatever term you want to use for that thing. That he just kind of invented when he got older. Yeah. And that, and yeah, and I think the biggest compliment to him is how many of the, you know, the Durants, the LeBrons, these got Kobe's, these guys all shot it after kind of he started it. And so that is. I think a, it's one of the five great shots. I think the sky hook is still the greatest shot of all time and will never be approached. That's the one but, I, I can't understand the, why the hook shot is seen as easy. Well, especially the way Kareem did it, where his hand was 10 feet over the basket. Like it's, Holger thought, although you can, you can learn this in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like if Dirk Nowitzki can't learn the hook shot, that probably tells you something. But, Watching Kareem, how he would just put it up and just flick it yeah, with and he his would like hold, yeah. He would like hold it there. He was, that's an amazing shot. Um, the fourth thing you need to know about Dirk. The 06 finals was an officiating travesty <laughs> that robbed him of his, in his prime celebration lap. Um, even worse, this, so the big picture thing, and I wrote about this at the time, this was the NBA at a crossroads between this era where the league got away from itself, the late nineties, early two thousands, where it's just a lot of one-on-one -on -one hero ball and really physical and slow and just dump it down to somebody and everybody staying around and watch them versus the way the Suns were playing and the Mavs were trying to play. And it was this crisis of style. I wrote before the 2006 finals for your beloved ESPN.com when we were coworkers. I can't believe I wrote this. This is actually kind of amazing. So I wrote this before the finals. No team depends on the refs quite like the heat. When the refs are calling all the bumps on Shaq and protecting Wade on every drive, they're unstoppable. <laughs> When they're calling everything fairly, they're eminently beatable. And if they're not getting any calls, they're just about hopeless. I could see the refs swinging two games at Miami's favor during this series, possibly three. In fact, I'm already depressed about it, and the series hasn't even started yet. I wrote that before the finals. Maybe that was the script they were using. I, I, I just, can't, I, I just Look, can't believe it. The officiating was horrific. I it was mean, horrific. And to this day... I'm I'm just gonna say that your good buddy Mark Cuban, I, I still don't think he's over it. Cause we were just we were just in Miami for for Nowitzki's last game in March and he made I can't remember exactly what he said, but let's just let, whatever the comment was, it made made it clear that he has not forgotten 06. But the Mavs did it to themselves too. They did take I mean, they still should have won that series. They, you know that's like the O2 Kings, same thing. It was self-inflicted. It also was not their fault, but it was also self-inflicted. Yeah, like I, you just you can't you can't give them a total pass because right. they should have. It was game. Was it game? I mean, game three. They were what was it? They were up thirteen. Three. They choked. Yeah, three was about to be a sweep. Here's what I wrote during the series. Nothing against Wade. After all, it isn't his fault. His team sucks, and he has to play this way. But seeing an individual triumph over a team yet again would erase every positive outcome from the 06 season. Basically, the team with LeBron or Wade will win the next 10 or 12 titles. I never knew they'd be together. Uh, and it will come down to which guy made more 20-footers with two guys on him and which guy got the most cheap calls from the most spineless referees 
that's not basketball. It's a star system. If Miami wins, we may as well go back to box haircuts again. So on and so on. And I said, uh, I've made a Vince McMahon joke. That was after that column, Cuban, remember he had that blog Maverick thing? And he posted the link with the headline, Bill Simmons is my new hero. <laughs> and then he said, I never have to say a word again. Bill Simmons is one of the 19 diehards, says it all. It's nice to know there are people who pay attention. Thank you, Bill. After I just ripped the refs for 4,000 words. I agree with you. I don't think he's ever gotten over that finals. No, I'm, I'm telling you. like I, I can't remember the exact words, but we were just standing there. And he just made some little comment that. Well, what was, it was after game five when he went to midcourt and yelled at Stern, yeah. your league is rigged. Your league is rigged. Wasn't that what he said? Well, and yeah, I mean, th- it was so bad that that summer that, that, that he was, I'm selling the team. And, you know, yeah. I, it was it was unreal. Well, I mean, he, that sucked. But it turned out 2011, it all came around. Um, I just want to mention the fifth thing you need to know. Dirk beat the following guys in a playoff series. Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Rasheed Wallace, Chris Webber, McGrady and Yao together, Duncan twice, Nash, Kobe, Durant and Russ together, and LeBron and Wade together. And that was in a 11-season run. Um, 2003 was the great injury what-if of his career. And a really fascinating playoffs in general where San Antonio wins. Duncan was incredible. Um, but you also have Sacramento and Dallas, their fans looking at that going, fuck. Like Dallas Dirk gets hurt in the Western Finals. Weber got hurt the round before Dallas gets by him. Dirk gets hurt after three games or during game three. And game there's something wrong with his knee. Yeah. During game three, yeah. Cuban wants to play him. Don Nelson says, fuck no, we're not playing him. That's it. And that was... That was the genesis of their, that was the end for the two of them. That was also they, the genesis of Dirk is soft. Oh, Bird would have played. But it's so interesting because I've asked, I've this asked Dirk. This is the Kevin Durant thing again. I've asked Dirk 25 times and he says, Nelly made the right call. I wasn't ready. So what was wrong? He had like a. He, it was like, like a, it was, you know, he, he warmed up. He, he gave it a try and Cuban wanted to play him. The word was the doctors were okay with him playing. And Nelly just said, he's not playing. He's our franchise. He's our future. We're not risking it. He's not playing. Now, Nelly, who always took heat for, he's great as the underdog. He's not good as the favorite. A lot of people thought he doesn't want Dirk to play because he wants the excuse if he doesn't win this series. Mm. Cuban wanted him to play. Nelly, and it's amazing, you know, that's the thing. Everyone thinks, you know, Cuban, this, you know, Nelly overruled him and he let, Nelly make the call, but to this, I mean, I've asked, I've, I've had to have asked Dirk 10 times. He has never once said I should have played in that game. He'll say, I felt it sitting on the bench. You know, maybe I could have played seven, but I don't think I could have come back unless we made the finals. He says it was the right call. So Don Nelson was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he's not playing. Let's talk about Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig, much like a premium espresso machine, but it makes cocktails instead. Drinkworks home bar pods are made with premium spirits, real ingredients, and natural flavors. Great for somebody like my wife, who always thinks she's making a perfect cocktail. And meanwhile, it's always way too strong. That's not going to be a problem with the Drinkworks home bar. They have everything calibrated perfectly. It tastes delicious. And the only way to get the amazing Drinkworks home bar with exclusive savings plus free shipping is... You go to drinkworks.com, use my code B-O-B 
at checkout to save $50 and get free shipping. Don't wait. This amazing offer won't last. It's only for my listeners. Holidays coming up, by the way. Drinkworks.com, code B-O-B at checkout. And remember, please enjoy responsibly. Drinkworks Home Bar is currently available in California, New York, Florida. What's M-O? Missouri. Missouri. Thanks, Kyle. Pennsylvania and Illinois with more states available for pre-sale today at drinkworks.com. Meanwhile, let me tell you about Luminary. It's a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. We've done three podcasts for them, including our latest one, which was called Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter Khan. Remember when the Sonics won a title in Seattle in 1979 and then had another three happy decades there and then all of a sudden they got ripped away by Oklahoma City? Yeah, that's what that podcast is about. Luminary offers more than 40 podcasts you can't find it anywhere else. We also did uh, Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99 and the Rewatchables spinoff. The Rewatchables 1999. The app is free to download. Gives you access to way more than just their own content. Use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash basketball. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. Next category is what's aged the best. We talked about how uh, the t- 2011 transformed his personality. And it, it, you know what? Getting, I, I wouldn't say it transformed no, it. I would just say the weight off. His I would just say we got to see it, and he got to. But he was always that fun guy. But like, I think he was just reluctant to show it. But the last, you know, he won in 11, kept playing through 19. Like these last eight years ain't, ain't been a picnic. I mean, it's. It, True. It's well, it been, wasn't the most fun decade, but I think he he had the attitude of like, eh, I already won. I just want to retire here. I mean, I'm not saying the losing didn't hurt, but I mean, I, he was. It made sure he would never leave. I'll give you that. I mean, that's the that that's one of the great what ifs. If they don't win in eleven, where does he go? Because I I think he would have. He's too competitive to to not be in a title situation. So that's kind of the- Could have been like Golden State, right? right? It would have been one of those. Another what's aged the best, the legend of the 98 Hoop Summit, which I've still never seen a clip of, but in my head, he's making shots with his dick. The thing is a lot- (laughs) It's not. It was a lot of free- There was a lot of free throws in those 33 points. But the other thing was you you saw- That's the thing. We all remember these last few years when he couldn't move. He could run the floor. He was pretty damn athletic. I agree back then. And then you ever dial up some clips with Nash and him on the break. Like he could finish. Like we don't think of him that way. Cause we, you know, he was immobile the last couple of years, but in his day, the boy could move a little bit. I have that as another, what's age the best. And I feel this way about Durant too. It was different to see those guys in person because they're seven feet tall and they're moving like they're six foot four and they're shooting like they're six foot three. Hey, don't and when you I- saw them in person, you're like, Jesus, am I a member Look, of this this <laughs> species? Durant is Dirk with athleticism. That, yeah. That's why he is literally jaw-dropping, and we've never seen a player like him. But it's it's interesting that early in Durant's evolution, Adam Harrington, who played with the Mavs for about five minutes, I don't even remember what season it was, barely played with the Mavs, but stayed there long enough to become friends with Dirk and Nash and Holger. And when Harrington got out of the NBA, he went to Germany, played in Germany, learned all of whole, you know, trained under Holger. When he got to Oklahoma City as an assistant coach, he started doing the Dirk routine uh, with Durant. 
And now yeah. they're reunited with the Nets because Harrington's on that coaching staff. But in Oklahoma City, Durant was doing a modified version of the Navitz, you know, the whole Nowitzki workout, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen. The, yeah, that makes sense. The clips of clips of. One more I would say is the best, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I ripped it in my basketball book 10 years ago, but the uh, the 07 MVP has actually aged pretty well now that we know more about advanced metrics. He was 25 and 9, 50, 42, 90 from, for percentage splits, 27.6 PR, 16.3 win shares, 61% true shooting, and the team won 66 games, and they were the best team in the league. It wasn't his best, like most splashy points rebound season, but I think with how we understand the, the number, who, who, who did you vote for? I per I didn't. Oh, that's I didn't have a vote yet, but that was the year I gave it to the fans because it was such a bad season. <laughs> the MVP was the fans. People got so mad; they thought it was a cop out. I actually thought that should have been Nash's. Remember that? I thought that should have been Nash's MVP. I didn't he think he deserved it. But I didn't think he deserved 05, 06. I'm like, I actually think he might have deserved this year. Um, but yeah, I think that one's aged pretty well. I'm okay with that MVP now. I mean, they won six. It's not just that they won 67 games. They lost in the most painful fashion and came back 0-4 and then ambushed the league. And you thought, you thought they were done after that finals, I, I mean, right? You thought they were going to crater. I, I didn't see... I didn't see a 67 win team. I mean, that was a, that loss left more than a mark. Yeah. Um, what's age the worst? Dirk's Dirk's swoon as a franchise guy, 08, 09, 2010, which we talked about a little bit where people kind of gave up on him after that MVP season as a potential top three guy in the league. I think he was just kind of over here. Kind of, we shoved him aside and um, that was stupid in retrospect because, as you said, his team just was not that good, and he was still putting up great stats. Um, but anyway, I wanted to mention that. And then the 1998 draft, we just got to go through it really quick. Michael Oluwakandi. Number one pick, Michael Oluwakandi, who was 24. <laughs> I mean, think about that. 24. Dirk was 19. Not a good pick for your clips. <sighs> My clips. Uh, Mike Bibby went second. Rafe LaFrance went third. So this was right around the time my dad and I are starting to look at each other because the Celts have 10. I did a draft diary from my old side at the time. We're like, what's going on with Paul Pierce? Who's So then it goes Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, and then they get flipped. Dallas takes Robert Trailer six. We just assume they're taking Paul Pierce. So now I am, we're watching in my dad's TV room at his house, and he has this little computer room in the next room. I'm sprinting over the computer room and Googling Paul Pierce cocaine. Like we just assume like he, is there some drug problem? Is there some, what's the story? Can't figure it out. Jason Williams goes seventh to Sacramento. Then Larry, Philly's up eight. Of course they're going to take Paul Pierce. They're going to put him with Allen Iverson. I can't believe, I can't believe they're going to get Paul Pierce. And they take Larry Hughes. So now we're sitting there going, and my dad wanted Nowitzki the whole time because he read one thing about how he's the next bird. So he's like, I want the German bird. And now it's like German bird or Paul Pierce who may have killed somebody and it just hasn't been announced yet or has a heroin problem. We have no idea what happened. Can't lose. The Celts can't lose. Can't lose. In the moment, I'm kind of rooting for German bird because you know how much I love Larry Bird. 
goes ninth to Milwaukee. Milwaukee flips picks. Pierce goes 10th. I don't know what's crazier that Nowitzki and Pierce go nine and 10 or that Dallas passed Nowitzki at six and took Robert Trailer. Well, it was a prearranged deal. But how did so they know they had, seven they, and eight? They they had total confidence that, <laughs> and that, that's the thing like, Again, it's and just so. It, what if somebody had moved up to eight and just taken Dirk? Now they have Robert Trailer. It's insane. What were they had, doing? It was, it was a different time. I mean, next category is too early, too late, or just right. I gotta say, I feel like just right is the answer for him for when he came into the league. I think it all worked out pretty well. But see, I think he changed it because when he came into the league, who were your prototype fours? Carl Malone. Juwan Howard. Those yeah. were the guys. Physical. That was the position. He changed it. Which is why it's just right. He comes in I guess, and, yeah, he, I mean, and he, he institutes change. I guess, yeah. They, you know, it has to be just right in terms of they have to be, people have to be willing to change. But it didn't, it did not feel just right at the beginning. So here's the case for he came too early. Just think if he's 22 right now with yeah. the way we play basketball. Like, first of all, he would take 10 three-pointers a game. But actually, maybe then the other parts of his game suffer a little bit more. I don't know. I also think he would have been a five in the way they play basketball now, right? There's if he could guard it, and his, in his younger teams. days, he could. He could, yeah. you know. Nerd corner. I have another stupid club for you: the forty-seven, eight, thirty-seven, eighty-seven club <laughs> for percentage splits. Only eight guys ever have shot forty-seven percent, thirty-seven percent from three, eighty-seven percent. From the line. Larry Bird, Jeff Hornacek, KD, Steve Nash, Mark Price, Jose Calderon, Dirk Nowitzki. Jose Calderon. Reggie Milder. Yeah, he's turned the punch ball. Here's my retroactively hottest take. And I've written this, so I'm stealing from myself. I think Dirk's 2011 title is actually the best thing for the case for Carmelo Anthony, who is now just being shit on left and right by everybody, and everybody's just dismissed his career completely. I think Dirk proved that you can win the title with an awesome forward who might not be the greatest defender who can shoot 20 to 25 times a game. And that's kind of your guy. If you put Carmelo 2009 Carmelo on the 2011 Mavs with the infrastructure they had, that would have given him a better chance to succeed. I think the genius of that 11 Mavs team, whether how intentional it was or not, is it was like the perfect team to play with Dirk. They actually figured out, a model, like we have this asset, how do we make this succeed? I agree with all that, except, and I think I think Dirk would back me up on this. It was just the beginning of the super team era. And I think deep down in his heart, he knows they wouldn't have been good enough. And like the bar got raised, the heat, you know, LeBron and Wade, they found their footing. Yeah. And then it took a Spurs team that had, that really was a super team. We know, we don't call the Spurs a super team, but Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker are as good a trio as we've ever seen in terms of just winners. And then you throw a Kawhi into that mix. Right. It's a super team, people. And Pop's the coach. Yeah. got an elite coach. And some three-point shooters. We've seen these just, like, the teams that have won since the 11 Mavs team, they're better. They're just, the bar's been raised. Well, I think the ta- there's just more talent now, too. I think this decade, there's more talent than there were last decade. But- you look at 2011, Dirk was 28 a game in the playoffs, 21 games. 2009, Melo was 27. 
2009 Mello, 45, 36, 83 percentage. But could he galvanize? And look, I'm a Mello defender. I've been defending. The, I, feel, I'm, I hate the way he's been hounded out of the league. What happened last year in Houston was just not right. And I I want to see Mello get his last chance. It's too chance. late now. And, but could, could he galvanize a team the way that team loved, that revolved around Nowitzki? The loved, 11 team. They wanted to win for themselves. There were a lot of ringless guys on that team, but they wanted to win for him too. Do you think they felt that way about him in 06 though? Yeah. I, I, I think he's- Do you think he was a galvanizing guy like that in 06? Because he was in 11, but was he in 06? Yeah, even then, like he was, he's a lovable dude. Like, yeah. I mean, he's, his teams of jet, like, you don't hear many guys, you don't hear many guys come away with issues with him. I mean, the amazing thing about him is he's a lovable German. How many times do you get to say that? Well, and another thing, I, who I would, are the lovable Germans? I would say this about both him and Garnett, because I those are two guys I covered really start to finish. Their mo was they don't like change. You can't change anything. Garnett, as we know, is like as superstitious as a guy ever. You need to do a pod someday just on all his the super right. you know, spitting in his jersey, banging his head right. on the standard. <laughs> <clears throat> he was insane with his superstitions, but they both proved that they're a lot more malleable than we thought. You know, Garnett went to Boston, which was a big departure for him, won a title there. And Dirk lost Nash. You put him with Terry and Kidd and all these guys, and, and he was able to handle they both were able to handle the change better than I think mm. know-it-alls like me thought. Next category is was he a one of one? <laughs> I think a hundred thousand percent. Yes. In terms of just one of a kind, we'll never see yeah. anything like it. One yeah. of one. He's one of the original unicorns, right? I, I think so. I mean, usually you have to play it, be a star at both ends to get the unicorn label, but I don't think there's any I just questions. have never seen anybody like him. Again, in my time, I don't want to make it sound like I've covered the whole NBA, but for my 25 odd years, I wish I had a dime for every, every time somebody said, we want the next Nowitzki. He created a category of player. Well, he also unfortunately created Nicholas Chishkavili. Because we did have this stretch, right? <laughs> yeah, Where people all, were like, yeah, they they're like, oh, who's the next Dirk? It's like, guess what? There's not going to be Magic a next Lampe. Dirk. There was a whole slew of. Yeah. Um, the unintentional comedy wrinkle category. Boy, there's a lot to work with here. We we had some really incredible Dirk haircuts. We we almost like bouffants at some point, uh, straggly wet perms, and we had a weird crew cut stretch. Um, and he was like the first few years on the Mavs, they made fun of him constantly about his hair and his clothes, right? Was he the whipping boy of the Mavs early? Like in a good natured way. You know, I think people, they did. I think on one hand, there maybe was a little resentment because he and Nash came in and were just anointed. Like you guys are the franchise cornerstones. But for the most part, I think Dirk was always embraced. Oh, good. Guys like Finley, Gary Trent, they really took, you know. Gary Trent. G Gary Trent was a huge Dirk mentor. I'm, I'm, I Gary know Trent? I'm serious. But they, Dirk dressed just like Holger. Flannel shirt, top siders. I mean, he was getting slaughtered. Top siders? Top siders. Oh, no. I want to go back in time and unwear top all, as much as I wore top siders from like age 13 to eight, I can't believe they're back. I can't believe people wear That's them. That's hilarious. I, I, I shud or what, you know, I cringe at the thought of how much I wore them as a teenager. He, but that, that's how he showed up. Top siders, jeans, flannel shirt, and just getting destroyed by teammates. Another unintentional comedy was uh, the Cuban 
Dirk Nash photo shoot where who's on whose shoulders? Isn't Dirk on Dirk's on Cuban, Cuban shoulders? shoulders? Those pictures are hilarious. Yeah. I would also urge people to go and look at the drunk Dirk Nash photos yeah. from like 0304, which was really like pre-Twitter, pre-everything. Yeah. But Nash had somehow a got around anyway. Nash said something like, Will those pictures ever go away? I hope not. Like they they Nash loved, loved it. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they loved, thought it was funny. They loved um it. Got to give a shout out to Dirk's half German, half black accent where he comes in the league with a German, but then he's around all these basketball players all day and he ends up having like this weird twang. Plus, I mean, ra- I mean, the guy rapped all the time. And oh, the yeah. Lot, you know, Detlef had the first half, half German, half black type of accent. And then Dirk, I thought, took it to another level. <laughs> and then we got to give a shout out to Magnolia buying Dirk's documentary, which was my favorite possible salary cap violation that the league could have never investigated, right? Cuban paid like 35 million for Dirk's documentary. 40? That much? 45? No, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know if it could, could have commanded. Well, you know, it was an independent doc. <laughs> okay. Allegedly. I, yeah. Hey, FanDuel Sportsbook is FanDuel's sports betting app now available in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Indiana. They got your back with... I can't believe they do this. Famous third quarter insurance on all NBA games. Here's how it works. Bet the pregame money line on any NBA game. If your pick is winning after the third quarter and goes on to lose in the fourth, FanDuel will refund your bet up to $50 in site credit. When was the last time your bookie offered a do-over? Ha, ah, didn't think so. That insurance is available right now on third quarters to all users, whether you're new to the site or regular, but you have to visit the promotions tab in your FanDuel Sportsbook app to opt into this promo first. Use promo code BSBOOK when you sign up. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires seven days after receipt. Max refund $50. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Defining playoff moments. I have four. Game 7, 2006, San Antonio, which, um, spoiler alert, we're doing a whole podcast on. That's the companion to this uh, podcast. So we'll cover that then. Um, Game 5, 2006, Phoenix, Western Finals, 50 points, 12 rebounds, 24-34 in the second half. Led me to write, Dirk is playing at a higher level than any forward since Bird. You know, I don't use the legend's name in vain. Uh, third one would be game two, 2011, OKC, 48 points in the Western finals, 12 for 15 field goals, 24 for 24 free throws. That, that's unbelievable. That's, Against that's Durant, why I say- Durant, Serge Ibaka, Kendrick Perkins. That's why to me, that's when he was at the peak of his powers. He was obviously more athletic when he was younger. He didn't have, but that was just like- That's one of the great box scores. You 12 for 15 do, and 24 for 24? Are you kidding? Do anything with him. Uh, and then the last one was game two, 2011 finals. Wade makes the mistake of trash talking in front of their bench. Dirk gets high, scores the last nine points. And then the second greatest shot of his career, a little game winning lefty scoop shot where he takes, I think, Bosch off the dribble, spins around, lefty makes it three seconds left. Miami has no timeouts. Series changes, whole thing, but uh, it's impressive. Um, Next category is market corrector or market corrected. Is it possible Dirk slightly got market corrected by Kevin Durant? He had 
he had this own world as the seven foot scoring forward. Nobody had ever seen anything like it. And then Katie's like, I'm a little like it too. And I'm also mm-hmm. going to learn stuff from your coach at OKC. It's a slight market correction. Yeah. I mean, I think they coexist. They're buddies. You know, I think they're, uh, I'm there's just a talking mutual, legacy mutual admiration. I think, yeah. I mean, I think if I'm Dirk, I would look at it as, you know, I was a role model for this guy and he took it to another level. Oh, that's good. I like so how you did I, that. You know, I don't, that's I don't smart. think, I don't think it's a bad thing. I wonder, do we get a third Dirk Durant in our what, lifetime? Well, what would you give, what does Durant not have? What could you give him that he could take it to a next could level? Could you say Durant is Dirk 2.0? Yeah. I mean, you know, that is a slight market correction. So what does Dirk 3.0 look that's like? That's what I'm trying to say. Like what it would be, you would have to, what does Durant not do now that the next guy could do? Run, you need you know, like more run run the point more like more oh but be like uh like ja, like if John ja Morant grew f- seven inches <laughs> or and, you know yeah I mean I shit because Durant's I, handles are pretty good but he and he's you, you don't see him though just flat out running the show but I got to be honest I don't think we see either guy again I think it's too fluky to have those bodies and be as fluid and be able to dribble and do all the shit they do I don't see it. Yeah. To be that six accurate, six foot eleven slash seven one. Yeah, Durant is no six yeah. eleven. He's yeah, seven. He is, he's yeah. taller than Dirk. Is. No question. Half ass internet research. Just wanted to mention how many game career game winners do you think Dirk had? Twenty five ish. Eighteen. How much money do you think Dirk made playing basketball? Three hundred million. It's over two fifty. It's unclear. Depends if you want to put the documentary money in there. I don't know if you want to include that. <laughs> um, Have you seen the documentary? I don't know. I don't know how many no. millions that thing was generating. It. No, I love joking. But that's a great salary cap violation. Uh, I mean, great, it, man, I think that's my one. Uh, I think that's my it's, one. You should get an IMDb credit. Dirk had this quote about what it's like to break through as a player. And I just want to mention it because I think, I think it could be used with life too as a high school yearbook quote. Quote, we all know that this league is about confidence. And once you have it, you're a different player. That really is true. That is like the number one thing you need to know about the NBA because all these guys come in talented. The confident ones survive. All right, this is going to be fun. We're almost done. Biggest what-if sliding door moments. Is this where I'm allowed to admit that I don't know the whole sliding door thing? So sliding doors is a terrible Gwyneth Paltrow movie where if she had, I think it's if she had gotten in the subway and then this happened, but then she has this dream where she didn't get in the subway and then this alternate universe happened. All right. So let's do, we did Nelly refusing to let Dirk play in 2003, which I think is a pretty good what if, because what if that became his 2019 Durant Achilles injury version of, you know, completely changing his career. The summer of 2004, two amazing things happened here that changed the course of his career. One, LA has to trade Shaq. There's three possible places for him to go. Everybody thinks it's going to be Dallas. I am the asshole on page two writing pieces like, what the fuck is Dallas doing? Trade Dirk for Shaq now. We all know Shaq's going to be pissed off. We figure he has three to four great years left. And you're guaranteeing a title. And it's like the goal is to win a title. Trade Dirk for Shaq. I was dead wrong, obviously. Um, Cuban who did a lot of dumb shit in the mid 2000s and made a lot of dumb trades and weird free agent signings makes Dirk untouchable. And that was like, 
untouchable for Shaq. What are you doing? Turned out to be the right call. I said, uh, <laughs> I called Dirk the German Bob McAdoo, which is like, I think the most insulting thing I've ever written for you personally, because you love Bob McAdoo. Um, so anyway. No, what, 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 there's no shame in being Bob McAdoo. I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was just lashing out. Um, I'm so glad you're looking up and reading all of your things that you well, wrote I like in the to 2000s. read the thing I was wrong. Like, when, well, you you were, when you were doing it earlier, I was thinking all I can remember from the 06 finals is how at 2-0, Mavs up 2-0, and I wrote, way he just doesn't have, he's just not built for this. He, he's not ready to take a team to the finals. It's out there somewhere. Way, way, <laughs> oh, to, go. No. way, way to go, Stein. Um, I thought you could not build a championship team around Dirk's offense. I nobody did. I was wrong. But nobody did. Second what if. Um, I think, by the way, a lot of owners would have traded Dirk for Shaq. I would say 60% of the I'm, teams just do that trade. I'm kind of surprised Cuban didn't as much as he loved it. It's great. One of the great moves he ever made. Uh, the other one is they let Steve Nash leave for Phoenix. That's the Coming big, off a bad playoff series. To me, that's the big one. And spend his money on Eric Dampier, not realizing the hand check rules are about to change and Nash is motivated by whatever and the whole thing. That's that's the one. So if they How stay many together, do they win if they stay together? So think about the league and what it's looking like at that point, right? You have Kobe by himself, you have Shaq and Wade to Miami, you have Duncan and the Spurs, who I think are really relevant from 02 to 07 and are in it every year. Um, and you have the Pistons. You have the Pacers self-combust with the Artest Melee, although maybe we're in this alternate universe, maybe that doesn't happen. It's not that many teams. You Dallas spending more money than anybody, right? It's not, they didn't lose for lack of spending. Like they were spending left and right. I think the over-under is one and a half. If Nash stays there all the way through 04 through 2010, because in 2010, he almost made the finals. That's and a, the league's changing. That's the thing. He got so, he took such a leap. Now the question's, how much of it was the D'Antoni system? It was, that was some of it. D'Antoni system was some of it. Now, how much of that was Nash helping D'Antoni and how much of it was helping D'Antoni, D'Antoni helping Nash? I don't know that we can ever really make that calculation. Nash changed his body in a huge, huge way before 04. Would he have done that if he stayed in Dallas? Would he, is, would he have been as pissed if Cuban doesn't offer him 36 million and the Suns offer him 30 million more? Now, one of the things people say is Nash and Dirk had to separate so they could grow up and, and become leaders. And that, that That's is wrong. absolute trash. It's I, bullshit. I, but I think this is fair to say Amari was such an explosive pick and roll partner for Steve. Would, you know, how much did Amari diving to the rim, did peak Amari help open up Nash's game in other ways? Because I'm about Marion. That that team was they all those pieces, Marion, you know, Joe Johnson at the beginning, Quentin Richardson, Raja, whoever you put out there, all those guys had career years playing when they played with Nash. Would it have been the same with the Mavs personnel? I'm not sure. But look, Nurk and uh, Nash and Dirk would have been two of the five, two of the seven best players in the league. But well, in 07, you could argue they were the two best. A lot of the, those Phoenix pieces. And the coach fit Nash really well. And well. also, Dallas would have had to change the strategy of how they did their roster because they were still old school. We need multiple centers. Calvin Booth, Sana Diop. Uh, but that's like, again, 
when you, when you bring up Nash's name, we think of Phoenix Nash and, and it's just, it's all roses and bouquets because he was so good, had such Team a big impact on, the, on yeah. them. It wasn't that way in Dallas. In Dallas, the talk was more about his, what he didn't have, his deficiencies. His last playoff series as a Mav, he, had to, he was guarded by Doug Christie and guarding Mike Bibby. And he, they just wore him out. And got torched, yeah. And and I don't know. It just it's it's an amazing what if because I think they would have won two titles. But that's just like Phoenix was a really great place for Nash, and he should have won at least one there. That's really the shame that they didn't win one. And you left out, or you didn't leave out, but you glossed over the fuck you edge that he had. I think which right. I think people need. No, qu- that's what I'm saying. Look at Cuban, the ringer. Cuban offered him 36 mil. And the Suns beat it by 30 mil. Yeah. He was pissed when he went to Phoenix. Yeah. Best thing that ever happened to him. Look at his body when he left the Mavs and look at it when he starts that next season. He looks So you're saying he did steroids? No. It's all gone. (laughs) He looks like a cyclist. Maybe. He used to keep some chunk on it. Well, that's when he stopped eating sugar or all that shit. He thought he needed some padding to take the pounding. Yeah. He went the other way and just became this wiry cyclist. And they ran. Do you think it was good that him and Dirk separated because then they weren't going out? Because no. that's what happened to Larry Bird. That, Larry like Bird said, won three straight MVPs when they traded Rick Roby. They used to drink on the road all that's the time. That's the one I, that's the part I don't buy. Okay. Like, I think Nash and Dirk would have been amazing in the no hand check era. Here's what Nash said. Would we have won a championship? Of course. Why not? Keeping me in Dallas wouldn't have really affected their salary cap situation. They still would have had to bring be able to bring in some of the other guys for the most part. I think it would have been interesting. That will all be barstool debate when we're long done playing. As you said, he doesn't think about this stuff. Uh, three more categories. Post-retirement. Was he Barkley'd or was he Hondo'd? It's too early to say. Barkley'd is like you stay in the limelight. Hondo'd, you just disappear. I have a feeling he's going to disappear. If Tim Duncan didn't disappear, Dirk ain't going to disappear. So we will see plenty of Dirk, I guess, is my what I'm trying Doing to say. Doing what, though? He, he'll he be, I think, like Michael Finley is a very visible, he's like player, mentor, but he's also part of the front office. I think Dirk will have that. First he'll of just all, be he first, loves being in but Dallas. Here's the first, he's going to take a step back first because he doesn't want to be around. He doesn't want to take their shine. So first he will disappear, travel, Go to the Australian Open. Go skiing. He loves skiing. He hasn't been able to ski for 20-something years. But he will eventually come That's back. That's a good tidbit. Yeah. But he didn't want to get hurt? Yeah. He, he No skiing. Can I you didn't... imagine being on the ski slopes next to Dirk Nowitzki? It's probably good. He's like, what's going on? There's a Sasquatch although, next to although me. Although, the last time he skied, I don't know if he was as big as he is now. Well, yeah. Maybe. Um, overrated, underrated, properly rated is the next category. I got to say, I think underrated, which I can't believe I'm saying because the last category is what his final pyramid ranking is. I'm 17th all time, but I think he's now underrated. And even you saw it near the end of this farewell season, which was three seasons, but whatever, where Wade was getting as much of love and shine and, and you know, just everything as Dirk was. And Dirk was just better and meant more well, to Wade has the cultural city. piece that, that, you know, that's, I think he resonates with, you know, some of his cultural impact is why he's so beloved. But honestly, way when we started this thing in the beginning and you, and you listed the five best forwards of all time and you're like, wow, he's one of the five best forwards of all time. Like It's kind of hard to believe, right? Again, the thing I tell, you know, if I'm in, I'm covering the Mavs for the Dallas Morning News. Nobody 
looked at the 98-99 lockout shortened Mavs and said, oh, yeah, we got two future MVPs in here, Nash and Nowitzki. I mean, you, you, you didn't even see it coming. I mean, nobody, you know, Dirk's parents wouldn't have said, my son's going to be the MVP. Nobody saw it coming, what he became. <laughs>